This is The Guardian. Hey, Jane Lee here. Happy New Year. I want to quickly let you know about some changes that are happening with Full Story this year. You might have heard the news that my co-host, the wonderful Laura Murphy-Oates, is sadly leaving the show. I'm staying on, and we've also found a new host who will be joining me in February, which is really exciting. I'm also going to be hosting a new series from Full Story, which we're launching very soon. We can't tell you much about it yet, but I'm currently working really hard with the team to finish it up. So for the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing from some guest hosts, including Gabrielle Jackson, the Associate Editor of Audio and Visual, and Patrick Keneally, our Live News Editor. You'd know both of them from Full Story's Newsroom Edition. You'll also be hearing from Regid Ahmed. She's one of Guardian Australia's global news editors, and she'll be talking you through stories from around the world. Okay, here's the show. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story. At the start of the summer holidays, many were preparing for another bad bushfire season. Instead, heavy storms and floods have caught many communities off guard, killing a number of people and wreaking havoc on people's homes along much of Australia's east coast. Environment reporter Graham Redfern has been looking into whether these sudden downpours could become more common and whether we're prepared to protect ourselves from the damage they can cause. Some people I know are trying to retro-design their homes so that the first floor can kind of flood without doing too much damage. Today, where has all the rain come from? It's Monday, the 15th of January. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So, Graham, at the time we're recording this, we're hearing that a monsoon is expected over far north Queensland, which has already been battered by Cyclone Jasper. And it comes on top of all of the heavy rain that state's been getting over the Christmas break. You're in Queensland. Did you see much of that where you are? Yeah, I did, actually. I was driving north from seeing family and I was driving right through the Gold Coast on Boxing Day and it was incredible. Mm. Um, My windscreen wipers just could not keep up and there were lots of people, um, particularly motorbike riders, sheltering under those little bridges. Um, But, I mean, it it was torrential. And uh, I was was actually getting texts from international media outlets saying, uh, hey, we know you're in Brisbane, can you talk? talk to us about these storms and I was just worried about getting home. Yeah, just trying to get through it. It's not just Queensland um, that's been hit, but all over the East Coast we've seen these storms and floods. Can you just talk me through a little bit about what exactly we've seen over this last period? 
Yeah, I mean, so we, we start with Cyclone Jasper in the middle of December, far north Queensland. That dumped an incredible amount of rain. Where floodwaters are sweeping across the region, hundreds of thousands of residents on flood watch with nowhere to go. Then we saw the storms in northern New South Wales on the Gold Coast and in Brisbane around Christmas. Severe rain, including heavy gusts of wind up to 100 kilometres an hour, caused significant damage across the region. And we've also had storms in in Victoria and parts of New South Wales as well. Water has risen to, in front of where our shop here is on High Street, it would have been at least a metre deep. Seven people died in the storms in Queensland and Victoria from sort of these floodwaters and from falling debris. Um, Three men lost their lives in a yacht in Moreton Bay in Brisbane. The Insurance Council of Australia, they say they've seen 54,000 insurance claims made in relation to these storms, mainly in Queensland, but some claims from New South Wales and Victoria as well, and, and most of them, about two-thirds, are property damage. So it's it's affected a, a lot of people. At a time of year when people are usually looking to sit back, chill and relax, they probably won't forget 2023 Christmas, but for not good reasons. Mm, yeah, it does seem very unusual for this time of year, but exactly how much rain fell during this period? Yeah, so... Rainfall, firstly, is is notoriously difficult to pick apart, but we do know a few things. Cyclone Jasper, for example, in, in, in the middle of December in far north Queensland, it delivered the two wettest December days on record for Australia. But the other thing about Cyclone Jasper was that it moved really slow. It took five days to get across the top of Queensland. Uh, so that that really contributed to sort of that really, really intense downpours in really quite localised areas. And I think it was about 700 mil in one area. There were multiple places, though, in that, in that part of the world that saw well over a metre of rain over a five-day period. In southeast Queensland, the, the dams were reaching capacity and overflowing. One catchment got 400 mil in, in seven days. Mm. Uh, Victoria in Heathcote, uh, three months worth of rain in one day, rivers in central Victoria breaking their banks, thousands of residents affected. So there's been there's there's been a lot of rain. But some some places also have seen almost nothing. Mm. Um, and that, that's kind of the nature of of storms and rainfall. So how do we make sense of all of that? I mean, is that higher than you'd usually expect? How much more rain is this than normal? Yes. Previous analysis has tried to look for trends in daily rainfall. That's how much rain's falling over a 24-hour period. And the trends there are sort of a bit mixed. But when you do start to see clear trends, it's in what they call sub-daily rainfall. These big downpours, usually they come from low-pressure systems or just storms. Uh, There was a a study in in 2018 in particular that looked really closely at, at downpours. They couldn't find much of a trend for daily rainfall, but when they look at the intensity of these downpours that that happen over just a, a couple of hours, the trend is is way clearer. There's another study that's uh, looked at the number of storms, and in some regions they think it might be decreasing, but where you do get storms, it's got a tendency to dump more rain. So that old adage, you know, it, it never rains, it pours. Uh, there was a study about rainbursts. These are over the course of just 10 minutes in Sydney uh, that last year suggested they'd intensified by about 40% uh, in only two decades. So it, it feels like these changes are happening really quite mm. quickly. I have to say when my first thought when it comes to extreme weather events like this when they hit the headlines is that it's all 
just because of climate change. But how much can we attribute this recent bad weather to global heating, though? So attributing any event to climate change is not a simple exercise. It's a lot easier for temperature, actually, than it is for rainfall. It's very difficult to disregard global heating in these events, but a lot of scientists are are pretty cautious. They want to do their studies, and and indeed, the Bureau of Meteorology said, we think the most appropriate place to answer this question confidently is in the peer-reviewed scientific literature. But that doesn't mean that we can't say anything about how global heating is, is, is changing the way that rain falls in Australia. But there are some sort of broad principles that we can go back to and think about. So a warmer atmosphere holds more moisture. And there's this figure that for every degree of global warming, the atmosphere can hold about 7% more moisture. Mm. Um, For the nerds, that's the Clausius-Clapeyron equation. It's more than a century old. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that the amount of rainfall will always be 7% more for every degree. It could be it could be worse than that. And indeed, the study that looked at sub-hourly rainfall from a couple of years ago suggested that in some places in Australia, actually the increase in intensity of downpours is sort of double and in some cases even treble what you would expect from this Clausius-Clapeyron equation, this 7% more moisture for every degree of warming. And climate scientists have been warning us about this for quite some time. The most recent state of the climate report for Australia did say there's evidence that storms in Australia are becoming more intense and that as the planet keeps heating up, that trend is expected to increase. Totally take your point, Graham, that each and every rain event needs to be studied meticulously before we can really get to the core of what has caused that particular event. But what are the things that need to happen to bring on such an event? Yeah, so broadly you need a a couple of main ingredients. One is moisture available to fall as rain. So that's your thermodynamics. And I asked Dr. Kimberly Reed, who's a climate scientist at, at Monash University, she researches rainfall. So she says, yes, you need moisture. And we know that the atmosphere is holding more moisture than before we started burning fossil fuels. But the other thing you need is the dynamics. That is the weather systems that will take that moisture that's there, push it up further into the atmosphere so that it can then cool and condense and fall as rain. So we had both of these ingredients, right? The moisture and the weather systems that were needed for these storms and floods. But the Bureau of Meteorology actually declared an El Nino event months earlier, which is when we'd expect conditions to be hotter and drier. Is that the only thing going on here, though? Uh, Yeah, no, it's it's not. So we will all remember the Bureau a few months ago, the Bureau of Meteorology saying we're getting an El Nino and also our long-term weather outlook that is out over three months is suggesting that things are going to be drier and hotter than normal, that the chances of that happening are increased by El Nino. And all of their models were suggesting that that was going to be the case. But then as we got into um, November, December, there was a couple of other things happening that climate scientists have sort of been quite engaged by. One is this thing called, here's another meteorological term, the Southern Annular Mode. But what that is, is we get these westerly winds that, that blow to the south of the Australian continent. And in summer, if those winds shift closer to Antarctica, generally you get a bit more what's called onshore winds and moisture coming off the Tasman Sea. 
The other thing that's happening in the Tasman Sea uh, is that the waters there have been warmer than usual. That's part of a global picture all the way through 2023 from about April. The average temperature of the world's ocean sea surface temperatures were way above anything that we've ever seen before. One of the climatologists I spoke to, Dr. Andrea Taschetto, said that this combination of warm waters in the Tasman Sea and this shifting of the winds near Antarctica was like just perfect conditions for rainfall. And then you've got what's the topography look like in the particular area where this system happened to form. So, for example, when ex-tropical cyclone Jasper went through the top of Queensland, scientists were talking about something called, are you ready for this? Um, if, if I can get this out, I'll be pleased. Topographical intensification. So essentially, it's just hills in the right place that help the air to rise and condense and fall as rain. So there are complexities and the devil around rainfall is definitely in the detail. Next, what can we do to protect ourselves from the next severe downpour? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Given all of these different competing factors, Graham, could these extreme rains have been predicted in the first place? Well, we'll remember that the Bureau uh, around September declared an El Nino. Uh, And at the same time, they were doing their long-term forecasts, looking at their models, and those models were suggesting that we had an increased chance of getting hotter and drier conditions. But there are things that those outlooks can't account for. Uh, Climate scientist Andrew King at the University of Melbourne said that these long-term outlooks, they, they really struggle to account for storms, and they struggle to account for cyclones. But their their long-term outlook did shift slightly. Looking closely at them around November, the models were clearly telling them something a little bit different, that the chance of above average rainfall for quite large parts of Australia were were pretty much 50-50. And a lot of the times, the Bureau has given warnings a day in advance that areas are likely to experience storms. But until they do form, it's it's difficult to know exactly where the rain's going to fall from a storm system because they're really hard to predict. Mm. Well, when it comes to the climate crisis, we often talk about being better prepared for more frequent and severe bushfires. But how prepared do you think Australia is to protect people from the extreme rain events that we've seen most recently? So the problem with these storms, um, they give people a lot less time to prepare and they push 
the infrastructure that we've got, like the, our storm drains, they well beyond their capabilities. And a lot of our infrastructure was built for a world that is not as hot as it is now. And, and that includes um, all the systems that are designed to, to move water away from the places where we live. So I, I spoke to a risk analyst, Dr. Tom Mortlock, and he said that our storm drain systems are already being overwhelmed by this increasing intensity of rainfall. Those are th- some things that we could start looking at. And a, a group of climate scientists are already recommending that actually for every degree of warming, Australia's planners should be thinking about a 15% increase in intensity of rainfall, not seven. Mm. That's going to be a challenge and it's probably going to be expensive, but we are already seeing very expensive impacts of these storms and an awful lot of people have been affected. Mm. One other thing that we can do is start to burn less fossil fuels and rapidly reduce emissions. This week, we we know, and to be honest, we've known this since about August or September, that 2023 was the hottest year on record globally. You mentioned drains there, Graham, but what about our homes and our buildings? Can we make them more resilient against severe storms? Yeah, a, a lot of Australia's housing stock is relatively young, but it was built when we weren't really thinking about global heating and intensification of rainfall. We continue to build homes in areas that we kind of know are prone to flooding. So I know a lot of experts continually say, why are we continuing to do this and putting more people at risk? But for for people who are are in homes that are already susceptible to flooding, it's difficult to know where to go, isn't it? Uh, Sandbags will only do so much. Uh, Some people I know as trying to retro design their homes so that the first floor can kind of flood without doing too much damage. Hmm. So Graham, how regular do you think these extreme rain events could become in the future? I think we can be fairly confident in saying that when we get big downpours, it's more likely that they're going to be more intense. Climate scientists seem quite confident with that statement. So the, the warmer the world gets, the, the hotter Australia gets, the more likely it is that we will see more events like this. Um, The kind of events that catch people out, that claim lives, that submerge people's homes and businesses, that, that seems like a given. The answers are do everything we can to adapt to those kind of rainfall events and be ready and do everything we can to improve our warning systems and at the same time reduce our emissions get them down as quickly as we can. Remembering that we're we're only at sort of 1.4, 1.5 degree of global heating and it's going to get worse. I think it's really a conversation that the nation really has to have. And I'm I'm sure that Christmas of 2023, well, for some people, they lost loved ones. For others, they will be clearing up and feeling the cost of it for probably years to come. 
That was Graeme Redfern, an environment reporter at Guardian Australia. You can read all of his coverage of the recent extreme rain events at theguardian.com and I recommend his explainer on the factors that are contributing to all of this rain. It's called, It's Not Just the Total Rainfall. Why is Eastern Australia experiencing such sudden, devastating downpours? And if you haven't listened yet, you should also check out Graham's recent podcast called The Weight of the World. It's a three-part series where he interviews some of the scientists who first predicted the climate crisis. It's incredibly insightful and thought-provoking, and I really enjoyed it. We'll post links to all of this on the Full Story website. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Camilla Hannon, who also did the sound design and mixing. Our theme music was by Joe Koning, and the executive producer was Hannah Parks. If you like this episode, don't forget to follow Full Story wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.